Hey everyone, welcome to the Talent Hacks podcast. This is Chris coming at you with Sasanka, and we've got a special guest in the studio today. We've got uh, CJ Matthews, who is an interactive designer, in- interaction designer. Yeah, he's looking at me. Whatever you and, want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and a former teacher for Teach for America. And um, and what we're really like looking to talk about today, and you know, we've had some conversations with CJ, is you know how teaching and uh, and some techniques in that space really kind of. Um, transition into leadership um, in your company or you know self-development or anything yeah. like that um, but CJ welcome man good to, good to have you to here. here good Happy to, to have you here. thanks for taking the time um, so CJ why don't you start just give uh, everybody a little background on on yourself you know uh, how did you get into teaching and then how did you get into uh, interaction design of course, yeah. Uh, so again, thank you guys for just having me in today. Uh, like long walks on the beach. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I guess the best way to tell the story is about how I got into education and teaching and why I do what I do. Is um, I was about five years old, first day of like kindergarten, and my stepdad and I are about to go to school. Uh, it's walking me there, and my shoes are untied. And my younger sister, who's about three years younger than me, she always says like, "Oh, you think you know everything, Mr. Professor?" Um, but the idea of like I didn't at that time know what to do and that there was someone there for me to lean on to help me figure out this thing that I still do today, like bunny loop, bunny loop, time together, figure it out. Um, I learned how to tie my shoes on that day. And I think that it's really important to know that one, you don't know everything and it's important for you to lean on those who are around you for things that can really add value to your life. Um, so that's like a high level why I do what I do. Um, I mentioned this to you guys before, but I thought I was going to be an intellectual property attorney. Um, after Syracuse, I ended up doing Teach for America, which is how like that kind of launched me into being a high school history teacher in the South Bronx. I'm originally from New York City, uh, as a, or as I would say, New York. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, yeah, that's how I got to teach him through Teach for America. Right, and and you had mentioned you you I think you. We're hinting that you wanted me to mention that you've dropped 12 albums before, right? Oh, yeah, at some point. <laughs> at some point, I've, ri- I, I, I've written um, songs written uh, before time, that were in collection were about, like, 12 albums. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Um, all right, so let's talk about, like, teaching and management and stuff, right? Um, I think last time we, we chatted, you mentioned something about, um, about trust, right? And building trust in the classroom similar to kind of building trust in a business if you're managing people or if you're working with other people. And I think one of the things you said was trust drives relationships. So you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, um, I don't think that we can do anything, whether it's um, teaching people how to tie their shoes or running a curriculum for a K-12 school um, or getting into college. You can't do any of that without trust. Um, The way schools are designed, let's say you're talking about a high school, Uh, You have four grades, probably about four classes in each of those grades. Uh, So it's a lot of kids, (laughs) a lot of people coming into pretty much work every single day uh, because they're there for that reason so that they can end up, you know, graduating and doing something after they graduate, whether that's college or work. Um, And one, from the student's perspective, I mean, like they are trusting that you're going to be able to give them the goods. Uh, whether that's the math class that they're in or um, even some like other class, right? Um, I, I think that, that there's an exchange there that is not just rooted in hard skills of like one plus one equals two, but like I'm trusting you to give me information that I'm going to use forever. Um, and that's why I say that trust drives relationships. 
because you need the relationship to be there in order to do things. And that's why the, the rest of like the formula is trust drives relationships and relationships drive impact. Um, being able to do things uh, that, that lift people. Right, and I think uh, it's interesting, like at every point in a person's life that where you transition from something, whether it's like, you know, your first day of high school or high school to college and then college to the real world, like you're always starting kind of at square one, right? And um, if we're talking about uh, entry level people into the, into the job world, we're talking about people who have just come out of this whole background of education. And they're used to, okay, like I'm starting this new chapter, I'm used to a teacher, right? They're, they, they're used to someone kind of guiding them through that. So if you're a manager and you're bringing on uh, brand new young people right out of college, that's, you've got to understand that's the way they, they learn. That's kind of what they expect is like, okay, this person is my manager and my boss, yes. But they might also have um, that feeling of this person is going to be my mentor and my teacher. And I think that's really why some things from you know the classroom really kind of transfer over into the management world, right? Yeah, I would say. Um, and I would also say that there are different levels of like management inside of a school. Uh, but one thing that I didn't mention in my intro is that school's actually fun. Um, and, and, and I think that it should be fun, right? Um, and I'm not saying, I mean, like back in the day, right, um, your school would be going out on a field and actually doing work in a, on your family's like land or whatever. Um, so school has changed over years, but I think that um, the levels of management within like one work should be fun or, you know, that's up for debate. But school, I definitely believe should be a fun experience because I think that there's something um, about creativity um, and like collaboration that comes from getting along with the people that are around you. Uh, and that's why your question about management is interesting because um, if you don't have that, like the trust or the relationship there and people don't act like they don't like you, uh, it's gonna be hard to get things done. So, um, and, that, and that's why I speak about it, that fun is the layman's word that, I, that I'm using to describe uh, this idea. Uh, but people have to enjoy what they're doing in order for them, for, for their impact to like be real. Sure, sure. So in management, it's, it's huge. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I think, you know, going back, thinking about what Chris said about, you know, you getting into the workforce and thinking about how somebody learns and, and yes, education's fun, work could be debatable, but, but I, I, I hope for, for everyone they're in a place where they're enjoying and, and, and having fun. Uh, but thinking about that structure, right, of, of transitioning into the workplace where now I've been taught Right, I followed a process. I've uh, followed a structure, and and specifically, you know, in today's evolving work environment, we work with a lot of startups that are rapidly evolving. And managers, including myself, uh, you know, once in a while we get we get caught up in the weeds in the metrics, and and we forget that important thing that number one, you've got to be a great coach, but you've got to build trust. Uh, and number two, you've got to you've got to. Uh, create a, a workplace that's fun. You know, what do you think about that? How, how, how are you thinking about that as, as you're going through your career? Yeah, um, so a little bit of background. Uh, my family moved from Lumberton, South Jersey. Probably never heard of the town. It's in Burlington County. Uh, the T-O-N gives it away. Um, but we uh, uprooted to Harlem uh, on the east side of Harlem when I was 10 years old. Uh, and I think that's where I learned life. Um, I got my base educationally. Uh, I moved when I was in the fifth grade. Uh, so I got my base, like math, 
English, write, reading, writing, all of that stuff was there. Uh, but when we moved to Harlem, I learned a lot about just like being one, just being survival, uh, being able to exist in that space and still have to manage all of these other things that were going on uh, in life. Um, a little, a, a little story. We we my we lived in a shelter. We lived in a shelter system uh, up until around high school. Um, so I think that we have to understand one that you're always going to have other things going on. Um, and I'm not going to use French here, but I think that like everyone has a sandwich that they don't like. There's something in their refrigerator or in their life that, oh, I don't like this thing, right? Um, but when it comes to work, um, I, try, I try to bring that same idea over into how I think about work. And I think at a, on a very low level, um, work is literally, you, it's just a certificate of service. Uh, you have hard skills that someone wants to pay you for. You go in, execute those skills, they give you money. Um, that's the exchange. Uh, but I but I think that there, while that exchange is there and true, you have to understand that anywhere you go, <laughs> any job, you're going to have a sandwich or some aspect of that job that you're not going to like. But you just have to understand two things. One, I can take my skills and get a certificate of service somewhere else, especially in 2017. So why am I here? Why am I in this place? Uh, and is that where I want to be? And that's how I sort of think about it, because I can take my skills anywhere. Yep. I don't, it's a gig economy. Yeah, I, I, listen, I thought you made a really important comment last week when we were chatting, right, about when you look at a job description and those hard skills, right? And and they don't tell that actual story. And, and actually now we're seeing stuff, uh, you know, you can teach skills, right? But what about the non-tangibles? What about the human relationships? What about the things that happen in the workplace, whether you're here at WeWork or within a larger organization, that you, you know, kind of grow and expand on, and then you're looking for that job. And I think, you know, last week we were talking, like, that's not on that job description, mm -hmm. right? And and you, you want to express that. You want to learn that. So, so you know, for... For people that are on that journey of searching and they're looking for that certificate of service and they're looking for their next job, how do you how do you how do you express yourself on the things that you've learned, but maybe not necessarily in that checkbox arena? Yeah, um, I think self development is so important, and it's really important to sometimes get a pen and paper uh, and and put your life on that pen, on that paper, and by that. What I mean is like, what are my principles? What do I believe? Why do I believe it? What do I care about? Uh, and once you figure out you, and once you have that all figured out, then wherever you go, I mean, the search is just gonna drive you and things are gonna happen, right? Um, about the note of not knowing what someone's club is like, because you're on the outside looking in. Um, I think it's important, and there are a list of things that you can do and the research is out there, but um, one, start by like asking really good questions. Uh, and it's hard, it's a hard thing to ask, like what is a good question? Is a certain question gonna, sh am I gonna shoot myself in the foot by asking this question? Um, and I guess that leads into not being afraid to ask the hard ones, uh, because you don't wanna just be in someone's club just because. Uh, because of a paycheck. I mean, you can, like, a, like I said before, you can get that anywhere. Um, so I think it starts by figuring out who you are, like what your, what your core values are, what it is, and you can map it out one year to three to five, seven, however many years in the future you wanna 
um, have a, an option A for, um, but be flexible too, right? Because you can take something that might not necessarily be the golden thing that you were looking for, uh, but that can lead to the next job um, in the next thing. And I think that there's a difference between jobs and careers. And that's another thing that people have to ask themselves, like, what do I want to do? Not the big, like, what's my life mission, but like, what? what do I want to do with like my work life and then what's my passion and they don't they, they can be mutually exclusive got it that makes sense so uh, one thing I also wanted to ask you about was you wrote in this uh, post if I ran a school I trust wins you you wrote about designing a winning together culture and that's you're talking about schools but um, you know that that applies to businesses together so describe the winning together culture yeah, um, I think winning together is all about, it's, it's two things, right? But in the grand scheme of things, it really comes back to that idea of like, why is it that we're, like, why are we here? Um, and, and where do we want to go? I wrote that in the context of, of sort of like thinking about a school building. So the idea that is, why does the school exist? Let's say the idea for the school is to send kids uh, to a college of their choice or to, um, give people skills that they can use in um, some type of trade or something like that. I, I think it's important to understand one, like the why of the organization. It's like a team almost, right? Um, a football team in the NFL wants to win a championship. So, that, so that's the why. Uh, and I think that winning together is all about, <laughs> and I think this is the point that I wanna talk about um, and, why, and what was sort of left out of the article, uh, which is um, sort of like, you're talking about the one on LinkedIn, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, the per taking things personal, right? Because when when you're a manager and having, you know, when you're a manager, I think it's important that taking if if you're taking things personal, that is not winning together. Winning together is about what what the goal is for the organization and how do we get to that place. Um, and I guess where the elephant in the room is like how you think about um, ownership and um, what the purpose of a job is. And I don't want to get into like, you know, private versus public stuff and all of that. Uh, but that's some of the elephant in the room stuff around like, oh, why, what keeps someone from being truly mission aligned? Uh, and that's what I mean pretty much about like winning together is that like mission alignment for the greater goal of the, the organization. Right. Cool. Well, um, I think last time we, we talked, we also talked about kind of like that recruiting um, aspect of, of, of like that value-driven recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. And I think um, you made a good point where um, a lot of people will create job descriptions where they're, they're asking, um, you know, what, what does this person need to do? What does this job need to do? Um, and then maybe have a quick section on who I'm looking for, but more emphasis needs to be placed on that um, you know who is that person that I'm looking for right and I think that kind of goes uh, with your winning together theory right that you know we need not only people that can do the job but the people that are gonna fit into this team and, and can win together right totally yeah man um, I'm not an NBA scholar but I think about Le LeBron James is just coming to mind right now um, he was in Cleveland, went to Miami's back in Cleveland. And I think that it's hard sometimes to build an organization around one persona. Uh, I think that the organization should be built around the thing that you do, the, the value that you're adding for your customers. And then from there, you figure out who do we need on the bus to get us to that place. Hmm. 
I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> well, Sasango always says, what? You can't have a team full of Tom Brady. Right, Everybody right. knows and, that. And, and it's, you know, from a founder's perspective, I think it's always challenging, right? Because people are like, oh, you're the guy. You're you're the person. And, and uh, you know, I just got out of a conversation and said, if I'm the guy, what happens if I get hit by a bus? What happens to all of our customers? What happens to the movement? What happens to the people that we've affected their lives, whether that's through our business, through the interactions that we've had, right? So totally, I totally, agree, yeah. it's, it's one person, like, listen, we live in a society, right? We live in a world where teams uh, win, right? Where great companies forget that the most important part of their organization are people, right? And that's, that's what inspires us every day, that's what inspires us to pull this podcast together for the young managers, for the people that are coming through those ranks to remember that, right? Yeah. So so I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, uh, I think the LeBron James example is an interesting one because yeah. uh, they, they attempt to do that. But, uh, you know, uh, as we're here Patriots fans, you know, if you look at Tom Brady, you know, it's, it's not just about Tom Brady. And you see the pieces of the puzzle that they try to uh, pull together to, to accomplish that mission, right, is to win, win, win their next Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and sorry. No, uh, I was just gonna say, you know, like, it's it's not just about the performance too. And I think as a young person, pr- professionally, you can go into a company and really think, I've got to perform, I've got to hit these numbers. I'll get promoted, then I'll be a manager, then I'll get everybody below me to perform their numbers. But like, you need the glue guys, right? Like, yep. you need the guys that hold everybody together. And I think, um, you know, CJ, last time you said, good leaders shouldn't be judged by performance alone, because sometimes. The things that you do as a good leader or a good professional aren't um, able to be measured in Salesforce, right? It's it's the stuff that you do that helps your teammates along, and it's the values that you have that you know m- make your team stick together and and win together and you know compete as a team, right? Yes, um, but to um, I- expand on that point, I would say that performance is important. Right. Yeah. So like so the, the thing is like, for example, in schools, uh, it's a huge thing. And I'm not going to go down this road too long or pursue any particular like line of reason, but I, reasoning. But I think that how kids perform in school is important. But the idea of like what that means is something that I'm willing to like talk about for an organization. Right. Profit. That is not necessarily the only measuring metric for like performance like oh how much money did we bring in this year oh yeah we're killing it uh, I, I don't know if that's the only like ingredient around like performance based like recruiting and cutting the crust as well I mean like it is important um, but I think that there are other things that um, can, can can really help a, a team along but to bring it back to like we were talking a second ago about this idea of like personas and how a team uh, or an organization shouldn't be built around a person. But I think that another important aspect of that too is that it shouldn't be built around like perks or like what you get if you work at that place. Uh, and that's something that I think could really like, like or for example, right? The job description you're talking about, it shouldn't be built, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, or or someone's decision to go and work somewhere, right? right? right so right. like, for example, I'm gonna work at this company because of the brand recognition, right? Like, oh, X company A, the name of the company, right? I'm going to work there because I have that name behind me and that's going to get me to another place. Um, You have to be wary of that as a manager, I think, and that's something that I noticed working in education 
is that sometimes you would have people in organizations just because of uh, it, it was going to be a good look on their resume uh, for, for the next for the next job. It's the same in the workplace, right? If you think about how the workplace has evolved, we've gone from one extreme where there's people joining companies because of the beer, the ping pong, the perks, right, and all the benefits and so forth. I came from an organization where I had a company car, uh, right? But you're right. It, 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 you know, now what we're starting to see and we're having these truthful, candid conversations with a new generation, right? Every year it's a new generation of people coming out of school having candid conversations with us that are asking questions like, I get it that you guys have beer, but like, where am I going to be in a year? Yeah. How are my yeah. skills going to be better to do the next thing, the next job? How am I going to grow? What am I measured on? How do I perform? Yep, and that's right? why for managers, it's, and this is like, I'm glad that we're talking about this idea of like management from the perspective too of like someone looking for a job. I want to know what the different tiers are for like, not just how I'm going to be uh, assessed, but what am I going to learn while while I'm here? Who am I actually going to get to work with? Do I get to meet those people? Um, what is your like ethos around uh, coaching, right? Like all of that, I think is really, really important to people who are looking for jobs. And I think that um, it's important for managers. And I think that you have mid, uh, like senior managers as well who are managing up and down. And I think that it's really important for there to be it, it actually like be written and publicized about like this is what we believe about management about coaching all of that uh from the perspective of someone uh looking for a job definitely i think you know we talked about that on uh, a, a couple of th these podcasts the the women in sales podcast we definitely hit on that you got to have your values be very transparent you've got to have a good understanding about that i think we talked about it on um the other podcast where we discussed managing oneself mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that theme is so important for entry-level people it's what are your values you know do the does this company really care about my development and I think if you're asking those questions as a young candidate um, some someone entering the workforce you're asking the right questions great and not enough companies do that right write them down and think through those and I think it's important, yes, for companies to remember that, but it's also important for the individual to kind of map out an ideal situation or oh, scenario yeah. for themselves, yeah. right? And, and you talked about asking a lot of questions, right? So it's not just asking questions of the prospective employer in the interview, it's about, hey, finding other people in other industries or, or other companies to find, hey, what is leadership or what does career progression look like? Right, defining that for yourself and trying to understand and match because likely, you know, your company may or may not have something that's ideal for you. They might have something, but it may not be aligned with, again, your interest, your personality, your values, and how you perform or where you perform. Totally. And so that's really, really important as an individual to hold to yourself, hold yourself accountable to say, I'm going down one path, hmm, I seem like I need to get some skills, and you're not gonna see that written on the wall anywhere, right? Uh, is, is defining that for yourself, then working with other people to find out how I can continue that path. So I think there are two big takeaways for companies, right? From a, an employer brand perspective. 
from here, which is one, if you have these values and things laid out, you're going to win more candidates coming 100%. through because these we've seen it firsthand that that's what these candidates for the most part really care about. And the other thing is um, a lot of employees like to ask in interviews, where do you see yourself in five years? Now put yourself in the shoes of a 21, 22 year old college graduate who has no idea, right? Like you're, you're like, I don't know where I'm going to be in five years, but you know what, as an employer, if you show them, Hey, there's this path for you to potentially go down here, that might be intriguing. And I think, you know, a lot of times that employers ask those questions is because I want to make sure this kid doesn't want to come here for a year and then leave. I want commitment. Sure. If you show people that there is a path for them, you know, they might not have the, the perfect answer for what I'm going to do in five years. But if you show them that path, they might be intrigued and say like, Oh, this, like if you, if you guys offer me this type of learning and, and career building, you know, I'll stick with you. So, um, I think that's a big advantage and something that companies need to address more on the recruitment side. Yeah. And providing that information to the candidate prior to even talking to them, right? We're here with a, a former teacher and talking about teaching and it's like the candidate has to figure everything out on them by themselves. And I certainly understand the importance of preparation. I understand the importance of knowing that, but today's workplace has evolved so fast. And when employers are asking like, where are you gonna be in the next five years? Well, what's the world gonna look like in the next five years, Yeah, right? It, it's important, like, so you, the two of you just hit it right on the head. And this is something that I think about all the time. Um, not just from the perspective of like human capital management um, or the perspective of like being an employee or an, or even an employer. Um, I think that companies should not be afraid of their candidates' journey. So like work is one aspect of your life. You, let's say you are 21 and I can even talk to the point, because I remember I'm 28 right now. That was like last week. So I remember what was going on in my head and I didn't really have an idea per se, like, all right, I'm gonna definitely, cause I wasn't going down any route. Um, I was very open to like what my, like I call them work maps in terms of like love maps. And I take the idea from um, there are kind of people who are professionals around like love and relationships. But this idea of like work maps are like, what, where do you, where were you employed over your lifetime? What did you learn from those places? And how does that propel you off That's into awesome. your, your, your next place, right? So like work maps. And I think that a company who asks that question, like where are you gonna be in three years or five years or one year, pretty much they're trying to figure out like, why are you coming here? Should we invest money in you? Because you might leave uh, in six months or whenever, right? Um, I don't think you should be afraid of that. Um, I come from the school and it's sort of like renegading, but you should really have figured out for every single role at your company how long you perceive you, you think this person is going to be in that role um and i think that's just an important question for the company to figure out even before they put the role out there but don't be afraid of the journey because like like you were saying if you embrace someone's like oh i don't know exactly what i'm going to do that's an opportunity right there sure yeah <laughs> especially, especially for a startup yeah. where you need people to to do different things right uh, you need people to adapt, and, and I, you know, I love that uh, work maps, right? Uh, certainly, I've had some unique experiences in my life. I think that's that's one of my strengths, right? Being able to have been in different industries and taking the experience of those industries, and now in tech, right? And and I think I listen. I ask that question about where are you going to be in five years. I think the difference is, I ask I I ask that question after talking about 
what a career at launchers could look like. And I don't have all the answers today because we're an early stage startup. But what I can tell you is you're gonna grow, you're gonna acquire skills, you're gonna learn how a business works. And then my question to you is, you know, where do you wanna be in five years? I think, yes, we, we as managers look at that to make sure that they don't say something like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start a farm in, in three years and I've already invested in into buying, you know, eight pigs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you're eliminating the person uh, that says like, oh, well, I'll, they're dumb and they just say like, oh, well, I'm just using this as a right, stepping stone right. to this organization I want to join. Yeah. Right, or, or yeah. the sales guy that it's like, um, yeah, so in five years, I'm definitely going to be a doctor and I'm coming out, of, you know, I'm applying to med, well, then why are you applying to sales? So mm -hmm. it, it goes back to, you know, managing yourself, knowing yourself, but don't be afraid of that journey. Don't be afraid as a manager to listen Listen when you're interviewing, because when you're interviewing, especially a recent grad, and if you're gonna hire that person, the development, the journey starts there. It doesn't start after they get hired, it starts there. And that's really, really important. Yeah, I don't know if this is pushing back a little bit, but do company, do we actually want people to be at the company forever? Because like I, I started, I've read a story about a guy recently who started off as a nurse somewhere. Uh, I think it's in New York City at a hospital. In that, a number of things happened. He was talking to this person, applying skills here. Oh, actually, here's what happened. He was a nurse, and he on the side was learning how to code, right? So he's like coding on the side. He like launches his own app, right? But he's a nurse. And then the head of the hospital pretty much figures out, okay, hey, I heard that you like launched this app. This guy thought he was gonna get fired. And the, the head of the hospital said to the guy, I want you to be our head of head of communications. The, this story is out there. I don't really recall the names, sure, which is sure, why I'm not using names. <laughs> yeah, look yeah. it up. Yeah, he literally is the head of communications now at the school, uh, at the hospital. He was a nurse, learned how to code on the side, and now he's the, he's the guy. So I think that that's the other thing too, is just like, the journey is important, but as an employer, do you want people to be in the job or do you are you investing in the person, right? Uh, am I going to invest in this person because they're dope and I just want them to be at our organization wherever they go and I'm going to sure. embrace their journey or do we want people to fill X role? Yeah, I mean, I mean, look at look at the world today, right? So mm -hmm. two out of three millennials will leave their job within 12 months, right? People don't stay at the job. Uh, you know, for a lifetime. My father was in a job for 20 years, and, and that just doesn't happen anymore. As a leader, as a manager, our responsibility is to develop that person so that they can take those skills and go to other places. Whether the company may not need or require that person's skills after a certain set of time. Right? And that's that's a reality. There's actually a book called Alliance where LinkedIn creates things called tours of duty, where they specifically know that people are not going to stay at LinkedIn forever. They've accepted that. So they provide them with opportunities in different departments to understand where their strengths, where their passions are, and they're accepting of those people going to other companies. And what, what do you think happens to those people when they go to other companies? They're advocates for LinkedIn. Sure. Right? They're advocates for LinkedIn. Well, I think it's like any role, right? If you're in the one specific role for too long without stimulating your imagination or your brain, there's a regression to the mean, right? Yeah. So right. you're, you you're going to come into a new job or a new role, and you're going to be 
pumped up, you're going to be aggressive, you're going to be excited about the role. But, you know, it's just natural after a couple of years in the role, you kind of regress to doing the basics. Uh, simply put, I think people get bored, right? And so I, mean, that, I think that's a great question to ask is do we really want, you know, people in a role for X amount of years? And I think it comes down to, like you said, investing in the person rather than uh, really investing in someone who can just do a job. Yeah, uh, it goes back to schools. They go any every sector. Um, I get maybe it is boredom. I don't know what it is, but I know that for example, when I was in high school, in college, in grad school, in a variety of other places, there was a there, at a certain point, I'm like, okay, I either and this is back to your point, Sasanka, of like, you shouldn't just rely on the company to provide, I guess, tours of duty for you within the organization. Pick up some some side hobbies, some other things that you can do um, because I think that it could benefit your manager and managers that companies, especially with people who are getting out of college, they I think that they should be in a place where they're saying to their people, hey, I know you're a sales guy here, great, or a saleswoman here, great. Um, do some other things too. I, like I, I remember you mentioned that you're into um, ciders or whatever, right? Go and write a book about ciders or whatever, because I think that if you, as a manager, if you can, uh, I guess, like um, compel your people to go out and do other things, they can bring that stuff back to the organization, and they're winning at the same time, and that's how you win together. All right. I agree. And speaking of ciders, I think they've got some out in the lobby that I would like to try. <laughs> uh, we've, we've talked about a lot. There's a lot to digest here, which is really awesome. So, um, Sasanka, I know you got You got to take a break, too. CJ, it's been great talking to you. Thank you, know, you CJ. I think Thank we've you. got a lot to talk about. Maybe we bring you back for a part two yeah, at yeah, some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah I'm and, here. And, and for those of you that don't know, CJ helped us a lot on some UI, UX stuff here at Lone Source. Really appreciate that work while he was at GA. Uh, and, and for those of you listening, I know we're getting a couple of shares on LinkedIn. Please subscribe. Uh, we're on know, iTunes. Keep, keep, keep listening. I think you know our first priority, as Chris mentioned, is to produce great content. So if there's something you want to hear about in regards to developing people, leadership, right? That's what we're all about. Uh, you know, Our mission is to develop the next generation of leaders, next generation of business leaders. We're well on our way, but if you want to hear something, shoot, shoot Chris a note. I get slammed, so just, just flutter his inbox and, and, and he'll let me know what, yeah. uh, what they're yeah. doing. <laughs> In, info it's, at launchsource.com. It's Chris <laughs> at launchsource.com. <laughs> All right, you. guys. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a good one.